Well, today we're starting a new series called RSVP, and it is French for Responde, Responde s'il vous plaît. And uh, if you're like me and don't speak the French language every single day, you prefer just RSVP. It's a little simpler. I'm excited about this series because with this series, what we want to do is we want to look at the invitation that God has given us. And if you've ever been invited to something like a wedding or maybe to um, a special event or something fancy, you were given the invitation and then at the bottom of that invitation it said RSVP. So you've been given an invitation, you're all invited to come, but the person who sent you the invitation is wanting you to reply. And that's what the RSVP is. The, the invitation is not the RSVP. The, the RSVP is your response to that invitation. And so today I want to start by simply acknowledging and reminding all of us that we have been invited. And we're going to unpack that more. Now, have you ever been invited to a party you just didn't want to go to? If you're saying, no, you're liars... For me, it's those parties where they expect you to play board games or card games the whole party. And that's not a party to begin with. That's misery. But, uh, you know, so you show up at this place and you're like, hey, we're going to play board games or we're going to play card games. And, and then they give you some cards and you're looking at them going, I don't even know what these are. And then you realize very quickly, you don't know even know what the cards are, but they're already strategizing. And they're sitting on the table, around the table, and passing cards around. And you're still like, what are these? You know, and you, you don't have a clue. And, and there's a strategy. You can sense the strategy. Everybody's exchanging cards, and, and they're looking at each other. And you're going, I don't even know what to do. And then they're like, oh, you just revealed your cards. And now they're all mad at you because you just blew the game. And then you go and you finally put a card down. Everybody blows up. And like, you can't put that card down. It's like, oh, this is fun. This is so much fun. My favorite part is when they then partner you up with someone. And you always get partnered up with the person who, if they don't win this card game, their identity rides on winning this game. And then you're about to win the big clencher, and of course it's your turn, and you're still looking at your cards going, I don't know what these are. And so you just put one down, and then the person flips the table over because they're so mad at you. Okay, that's never happened. Um, but they're like, I cannot believe you blew this game, and they don't talk to you for a couple of years. I'm, I'm just confessing some things here. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, have you ever been invited to a party you just didn't really want to go to? You know, maybe you have. Um, that's that monitor right there, Bernie. Um, sorry. Nope, that's the sub. There's a switch on the bottom of that. This is going to be great for video later. Let me get this as well. It's not that either. We'll be all right. It's that thing right over there. I'm back. Okay, when the video, when you do the video, we'll just, yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. Just remember to turn that monitor back on. Have you ever been invited to a party you just didn't want to go to? Like a base amp party or something like that, you know? Um, and, and so what do you do when you're like, I don't want to go. I really just don't want to go. Well, here's two things you can do is you can just be 
straightforward and you could say, I don't want to go, and just have the courage to say that, you know, like, I, I just really don't want to be part of this. Or the second thing that you could do is you could just start making up a bunch of excuses. You could make excuses and just say, well, here's the reason why I can't go and all these kind of things. Well, we want to look today at a parable that Jesus teaches. And in this parable, we hear about these at least three different people, but we find out very quickly there's a lot more people. But there's at least these three people who don't want to go to the thing that they've been invited to. And so they come up with all these different excuses. And, and we're going to unpack this all later on. You're going to understand this because um, what you and I need to realize right at the beginning of this thing is we have all been invited to a party. Every single one of you in this room, you have been invited to a party. You have been invited to the celebration that's going to take place. And the question that happens is, what if you don't want to go? Are you going to make up excuses or are you going to realize that this is my reason for not going? And obviously, I hope you all want to go. And we'll unpack this later. You'll understand what I'm talking about. So let's look at this um, parable that Jesus teaches. It's found in Mark, uh, Luke chapter 14. Now, before I go into the parable, and a parable is a story that teaches a truth. Before I go into this parable, we need to take just a moment and give you the background. Because if I don't give you the background to this parable, some of you may not understand it and it definitely will not have as much meaning. Now the background of this parable is, it starts right at the beginning of chapter 14, verse 1. It's at the beginning of the chapter. The parable we're going to look at is later on in the chapter. But let's look at the beginning of this chapter because what happens at the beginning of this chapter sets the stage for the true meaning of what this parable is all about. So if you're following along in your Bible, Luke chapter 14, verse 1. If not, it's going to be on the screen. Let's take a quick look. Luke chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath... When Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Now, in this first verse, there is already a lot of information that you need to understand. Because if you don't understand it, again, it's going to be easy for you to look at this parable later or to look at some other things that are going to happen and be like, what's the big deal? I don't understand what the problem was. Well, the first thing that you see in this parable is that it's the Sabbath. Now, that doesn't mean too much to us today, but back then, if it was a Sabbath, immediately a lot of people would have immediately known, here are the things you can do, and here are all the things that you cannot do on a Sabbath. The Sabbath was a very important day. It's one of the Ten Commandments, to keep the Sabbath and to rest on that day. And so what they've done now is the Pharisees and, 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 the, and those people, they, they added all kinds of lists of things that you could not do on the Sabbath. So it wasn't anymore that the, the Sabbath was for the Lord. They were now saying, here's a list of things that you cannot do in order to keep the Sabbath. There was at least 39 things, and there may have been more. Let me read you just a few of them, or some of them. You couldn't do things like sowing, plowing, reaping, binding sheaves, thrashing, grinding, sifting, kneading, baking, shearing wool, washing wool, weaving, making two loops, Weaving two threads, separating two threads, tying, untying, stitching two stitches. They're really big on the two. Tearing, trapping, slaughtering, salting meat, curing meat, scraping hide, cutting hide, writing two letters, erasing two letters, building, tearing down a building, extinguishing a fire, kindling a fire, hitting with a hammer, taking an object from a private domain to the public, or transporting an object in the public 
domain. And there's more. Those, that wasn't the full list. So it was important for us to understand right at the beginning, what we're going to read this morning is taking place on a day where there was this long list of things that you could not do. The second thing that you need to know about this, this event that's taking place or the passage that we're reading is, first thing is, it's on a Sabbath. The second thing is, this is taking place on, at, the, at, at the house of a prominent Pharisee. Now what that means is, not only do you have a list of all the things that you could not do, you now are at the place of someone who would know that list. This would be someone who would know every detail of what you could and could not do on the Sabbath. And then to top it all off, it says that Jesus was being carefully watched. It would be a little bit like modern-day paparazzi um, who love to take pictures of you at your worst. I don't know if any of you watched the Oscars. Apparently all kinds of things take, took place at the Oscars. But the one picture that popped up most was this one. Brad Pitt eating pizza. I think we even have a closer-up of that. Just thank you, Brad. You know... This was the image that was on lots of websites. This was the image that would have been on a lot of these gossip uh, uh, papers. And all of it was little claims like Brad Pitt not at his best. And things like that. Why? Thank you, you don't need to show that anymore because people are getting hungry. Um, why? Because they want to show you at your worst. Now, it may just be me, but I still think he looks pretty handsome. I'm just, just saying. Even he knows how to eat a pizza and still look good. That's a little bit the way it would have been here with Jesus. People sitting and just watching him. Just to see, is he going to do something wrong? Well, that would be fine if nothing happened. But check out what happens. Verse 2. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Okay? So it's not like nothing's going on. Sure enough, at this party, there's a person who's suffering from dropsy. Dropsy is a swelling of a part of the body due to fluid collecting in the tissue. So it may have been in his arm or his leg or someplace, and there's this big swelling, and this man is suffering away. Now look at what Jesus does, verse 3. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? So Jesus is basically saying, are you cool with me healing this guy? Because I can. Is it okay if I do? Well, of course, they stay quiet. They refuse to answer because they're here to catch Jesus in a trap, not to get caught in a trap. And so they don't say anything. Excuse me, they don't say anything. And so Jesus just takes their silence as meaning you decide. And so he decides and he heals the guy. Look at verse 5. Then Jesus asked him, If one of you had a son or an ox that fell into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? So Jesus is saying, if you had something valuable and it fell into a well, wouldn't you immediately rescue it? Like if your son fell into a well and was going to perish because they fell into a well, wouldn't you be like, I don't care if it's the Sabbath, that's my son, get some rope, I'm going down, I'm going to get him out of there. And so clearly Jesus is implying, well, that's how I view this individual with dropsy. I see him as someone valuable. You may have your list of rules, you may have your list of things that you can and cannot do, but when it comes to helping people, I'm not bound by your rules. Just like you would obliterate all your rules in order to save your child or something that is valuable to you. And again, they refuse to answer this question. 
He's like, would you not do this? And they're like, we're not answering you because we don't want to get trapped. Now, there's something you need to know about the Pharisees. The Pharisees are a very self-righteous group of people. They love the law. Why? Because they could now measure with their law whether or not in their eyes they were righteous or not. So if they're breaking all the laws, then, hey, we're in trouble. But if they're keeping most of the laws, and if someone else is breaking a few, then they could elevate themselves over someone else based on how many laws they kept. Or how many laws the other person broke. So the Pharisees loved the law. Jesus then tells a short little parable about being seated in the seat of honor, and it goes something like this. He says, if you go to an important event, and this is important later, if you go to an important event, he says, don't sit down at the most honorable seats. In other words, if you go to an important, to an important event, don't go and sit down in the seat of the most important person there. Don't assume that you're the most important person in the room, because if someone more important than you shows up, they're going to ask you to move to a less important seat. How humiliating wouldn't that be? You show up and you're thinking you're all that. And then all of a sudden someone else shows up and they're like, excuse me, you're not really all that. You need to go sit down over here in like seat six. So Jesus gives this incredible lesson. He says, rather than sitting down in the most important seat, go sit down in a far less honorable seat. Then when the host walks in, he's going to look at you and say, what are you doing sitting there? You are way more important. You're way more honorable than that. Come, sit down in the more honorable seat, and you will be, you know, praised in front of people because the host is like, wow, what are you doing over there? He also gives them this instruction that when they invite people, he says, don't invite your friends. Don't invite people who are rich. Because here's what they're going to do. They're going to invite you right back. And he says, if you invite people to, a, if you invite your friends or rich people and they invite you back, well, then that's your payment. That's all you're going to get. So Jesus says, rather than inviting the, your friends and the rich people, he says, invite the people who could never invite you back. Invite the poor. Invite the cripple. Invite the lame, the blind. Invite the people who, in, who can't throw parties to invite you back to. And this is important because, verse 14, if you do, you will be blessed. Although, you cannot, although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And we'll look at that in a little bit. Remember, this party is being thrown at the home of a prominent Pharisee. These people would have all fought for the seat of honor. These people would have all wanted to be recognized as having the most important seat in the house. And these people would have never thought to invite someone to a party that they wouldn't be invited back to. That was important to them. They wanted to have this prestige among people. They wanted to be recognized. They wanted to be, you know, elevated all the time here on earth. So now Jesus is throwing this whole thing around and he's saying, don't, don't live like that. Now this leads us then to today's passage that we're going to dig into a little bit more. This parable of the banquet that we're going to look at emphasizes the truth that we are saved by responding to God's invitation, not by the things that we do or not by our own efforts. 
Remember, he had just finished saying, do not, although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now look at the response from someone in the crowd. This just again shows the self-righteousness of these Pharisees. And this is the parable that Jesus, that we're going to look at now. Verse 15. When one of those heard him, when one of those at the table heard him, heard this, he said, and this is now about being at the seat of the, uh, the righteous. Look at what he says. Blessed is the man who eats at the feast in the kingdom of God. And he may have said it differently. Maybe, you know, blessed is the man who eats at the feast of the kingdom of God. It just is, here's the, here's the reality. These Pharisees assumed this was them. They were like, we're going to this thing. Why? Because we have our rules and we keep them. Why? Because we're Pharisees. I'm sure in that room, everybody would have been like, yeah, you know, like, hoorah, you know, like, we're going to this thing. And when this guy said this, that would have been the attitude of everyone else at that table. We're Pharisees. We're experts of the law. It doesn't matter beyond that anything, nothing else matters because it's who we are that matters. We're Pharisees. They would have clearly had no doubt that all of them would be going to the kingdom, to the feast at the kingdom of God. Whatever the fate of other people, these Pharisees assumed they were in. And then Jesus challenges that assumption by telling the parable that we're going to look at. And the assumption that these people had is what I just said. We're going to the feast of the kingdom of God because of who we are. And they have never even considered God's invitation. So look at what the, here's the parable. Verse 16. Jesus replied. This is a direct reply now to this person's assumption. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to those who had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. Now in this time, during this time, there was a two-stage invitation. The first invitation would have gone out well in advance. We didn't have Facebook back then. You know, they couldn't tweet. They couldn't, you know, put up a billboard. And so word had to take time to get out. So there was a two-stage invitation. The first invitation was done well in advance saying, on this and this day, there's going to be a party. Then on the day of the party, the person would go back out as a courtesy call and say, remember you were all invited to the party. Now, everything is now ready. Come on over. They didn't have nice big ovens that they could do a whole roast in one day. You know, they had to, this, this thing took time to prepare for. And so the guests were given time to prepare. The guests were given time to know when the party was going to be. And then on the day of the party, the servant would go back out and say, everything is now ready, come. But then look at the response from the, from the people, verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I have just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Remember before I asked you, have you ever been invited to a party you didn't want to go to? This guy's going, oh man, my wife forgot to mark this on the calendar. He's looking at his iPhone going, ah, yeah, there it is. Shoot, I don't want to go. Now, his excuse may sound reasonable until you look a little bit more carefully. As a matter of fact, all of the excuses sound reasonable until you look more carefully at them. 
This excuse is transparently false. I'll explain. Back then, no one would have bought a field without first looking at it. Like, you just wouldn't go buy a big piece of land without first going and looking at it. And now for this guy to say, man, I bought a field, and I need to go see if it's worth my money? No, you wouldn't have done that. But let's say if he had. Let's say for some reason he went and bought a field and never looked at it. Well, it's not like the field is going to go somewhere. That field is going to stay there. He could go the next day. He could go the next week. It's not like something else that's going to fade in a minute or in a day. No, if that field is that important, if you bought it and you haven't looked at it, you could go tomorrow. You don't have to go today. So this person is just making up an excuse. He's like, I, you know, he doesn't have the courage to say, I don't want to go. So he starts making up excuses. Look at the second person. Verse 19, another person said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. This person says, I've just bought five pairs of oxen. And when he says, I go, meaning I'm on my way. In other words, he's saying, I've already made other plans. I've already got something else on my calendar. Oh yeah, I see your invitation, I see your party, but... um, Something else has come up. Something that I want to do has come up. I've purchased some oxen. Now again, rarely would someone have bought oxen back then without first trying them, without first testing them. Because what if you would have bought oxen that were completely useless, but now you're stuck with them? So when this person says, I need to go try them out, most likely that's not true. And again, if it is, the reality is those oxen are not going to be dead tomorrow. You could still test them out the next day. Now look at the third person. Verse 20. Still another. He says, I just got married, so I can't come. Now this claim may have some merit. Because in the Old Testament, it says that a man is is supposed to stay home for a year after he is married. But here's here's the thing. That was a reference to war. He wasn't supposed to be sent to war for a whole year after he was married. And so technically for him to claim that and say, oh, by the way, I just got married. Sorry, can't go to the banquet. You know the law. That wouldn't have been a proper use of that passage. So all three of these people just simply don't want to go. And they all make excuses for why they can't. Verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. This owner wants this place filled. This owner has worked hard. This owner has sacrificed much to prepare for this banquet. And he's like, I want people there. I didn't sacrifice all that. I didn't, I didn't pay that big cost to, to have um, you know, the, the banquet prepared, and now no one show up. He's like, I want this place packed. I want this place full. So he tells the servant, I want you to go out. I want you to find as many people. I want you to find the people who would have maybe never assumed they would be invited. Because I want this place full. Verse 22, Sir, The servant said, what you have ordered has been done, and there is still room. 
So the servant's like, I've gone through town. I've found every alley. I've found every, every person I could find that would come. But we still have room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. So it starts off, go into the city, go into a crowded area, find as many people as you can. But now the servant's like, I want you to go into the country. Well, you all know in the country there are far fewer people. So this would have required far more effort, far greater distance of traveling. This master is or this owner is like, I don't care what the cost is, I want people at the party. I want them here. I want this place full. This owner meant business. The parable ends with this very sobering verdict to those who had been invited but then declined to respond or declined to accept the invitation. Verse 24. Jesus saying, he said, the owner is speaking, he says, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So the owner is now saying, we invited all these people, but those that refuse to come, they're never going to taste any of the banquet. So that's the parable, and that's the quick background to the parable, and obviously we could dig much deeper. So what does this parable mean? We all know that the owner is God. And God sent his son Jesus into this world as the invitation and as the means to getting to the party. And the party that I'm talking about is heaven. Where we know that one day those who believe in Jesus, those who follow Jesus, those who have a personal relationship with Jesus are going to dwell in heaven one day for eternity. And God, like this owner, saying, I want my place, I want it full. And so he sent Jesus to go and to pay the way, to pay the price, to give the invitation to come. And Jesus has invited us all to join him in heaven. Many, many times in scripture you read Jesus inviting people to come to him. Jesus said things like, if you're thirsty or if you're hungry, come to me and you will never thirst again. You will never hunger again. Clearly what he was talking about here was, if you have a spiritual emptiness, come and I can fill that emptiness. If you're trying to figure out, like these Pharisees, if you're trying to figure out all the things you should do and, and shouldn't do, put all that aside. I'm telling you, I've got what you need to fill the emptiness that you have inside you. If you think that somehow by your ways of working hard, you're going to get in, Jesus is saying, no, come to me. There's another time where Jesus says, if you're burdened or wearied or, or heavy laden, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. So if you're trying to get into heaven on your own, and it's just not working for you because the more you do, the more tired you become, or if you're trying to do your, this life on your own and you're trying to somehow accomplish all the things that you need to accomplish because you're hoping that somehow through that you're going to maybe have a good standing with God, Jesus says, no, 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 no. Come to me. If you're weary and burdened, he says, come to me. Why? Because my yoke is easy. 
and my burden is light. Why? Because Jesus has paid everything for you. Even in the book of Revelation, to the church of Laodicea, Jesus says, I'm standing at the door of the church, and I'm knocking. And he says, if you'll open the door, I will come in and I will eat with you. And again, Jesus is saying, I just want to have a relationship with you. You're invited to the party. And for a lot of you church people, you're not hearing anything new. And for a lot of these Pharisees, when they would have heard this parable about a great banquet and, and the owner inviting people, they would have been like, yeah, 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 this happens. Now, they may have been shocked that people declined to go to this person's banquet because that's what you did. You went to each other's banquets. But have you ever been invited to a party you didn't want to go to? Is heaven that party for you? You're thinking today, well, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to accept the invitation. Well, I want to remind you today that you have all been invited. And the question is, how will you RSVP? Will you send in your RSVP and say, decline? i got my life to live. I've got the things I want to do. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying on the cross. And if you're not a Christian and maybe you don't believe that stuff, hey, keep coming out. I think in time, God's going to reveal to you the truth of Scripture. So if you don't believe this stuff, that's okay. Take your time. Read it. Find out for yourself. But if you're wrestling right now and you're on the fence and you're like, man, I've read this and I, and, and I know I've been invited, how are you going to respond to the RSVP that you've been given for heaven. Jesus came, died on the cross for you, paid the way so that all of us could have eternal life with him. And Jesus is saying, come to me. It's your invitation. So my challenge for you today is, will you accept that invitation or will you decline that invitation? That's an important and big question. Because some of you may not have accepted that invitation. And you really don't know why. So let me ask you this. If you're saying no, what excuses are you making? And how will those excuses stand up one day? So I invite you. If you've never given your life to Jesus or if you've never said, Jesus, I want you to lead me. I want you to be what I'm all about. I invite you to today accept his invitation to come to the party. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the fact that we've been invited. We thank you so much, Jesus, that this wasn't just for those people who lived during that time. But this is still for us today. That this invitation still stands. So I pray, Lord, that every one of us in this room would just grasp that we have been invited. And Lord, I pray that we would all respond with a resounding, yes, I'm going. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.